0: so good to see you once again, and Merry Christmas. You know, things by nature are not very nice. Let me give you some proofs. Have you ever learned about standing water and the dangers of standing water? That, left by itself, standing water creates bacteria. And this reminds me of being in Florida, and there was a lake by our house. And we heard the news that a child had went into that lake and actually died. Because in that lake was a brain-eating amoeba. That's standing water, and what standing water can create. If you've ever observed nature and the circle of life, so to speak, there are many things that look chaotic and not very nice. For example, in Disney, you have this moment with The Lion King, and uh, only CGI could ever recreate that. Because if you truly got all these animals together, It would not be that orderly. Let me give you an example. The praying mantis. The praying mantis, when um, trying to mate and create children, during the mating process actually kills the husband. The female actually bites off the head of the male and then eats him as nourishment for the child that she will bear. Yes, things in nature are not very nice. Well, what about people? People? It's interesting, at Amazing Love, we're having a bit of a baby boom. And, um, and so I get to talk to young parents about the state of children. And it's interesting that the state of children isn't always very nice without direction by the parents. For example, if a baby is born and there was already a sibling, you have jealousy that can ensue. And now the fight for attention. There are these uh, selfish instincts that they have. And so they cry in the middle of the night, not considering if they're sleeping. They don't share their toys. They learn how to give attitude and they're mean. Why? By nature, we're, we're not very nice. I consider even churches. So I have on the screen our core values. And why does a church organization have values that we want to aspire to? Because if left to ourselves, we don't always do what we know we should be doing. And so we have values that call us up. Uh, I consider our outward focus. That one thing that's so great about this church is we want to actively look at what people need to see Jesus rather than just what, what I like. Let's serve other people so well that they could have what we have. But that takes intentionality. It doesn't come by our nature. Or bringing my best. Rather than bringing my leftovers to the house of God, my leftover time and my leftover money and my leftover talent, I want to bring my best. We need to be called up on that because the world by nature doesn't aspire to that. Relevant, inviting, all involved, grace-centered and biblical, all of them that call us up to intentional things that uh, apart from we might not want to consider or do. Yes, things by nature are Are not so nice and I guess I didn't need to give any of these examples I could have just referred to the pandemic because by our own I I don't think that a human concocted this thing but in nature there are diseases and before it was COVID-19 it was the swine flu and bird flu and Spanish flu and the the black plague and before these things we had ammonia and we had heart attacks and cancer And, and this is the way of the world things by nature are not so nice And things left to themselves do not turn out very well standing water even us but that's why I love being in this place that's why it's good to see you because Christmas is a story of how God didn't leave us to ourselves and how God came and changed things now what did God come to change now, unfortunately, he didn't come to change nature. and Nature is broken, and it will continue to be broken. He, he didn't come to redeem this world and the way the world was working, uh, to create just perfect order in creation and in government. No, that's not what he came to redeem. In fact, I invite you to do a deep dive sometime, and it will set your expectations over what God is doing in this world. One quick passage is Romans 8 that says, we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And so praying mantises will still eat the head off of the husband. And there'll still be tornadoes and hurricanes. And a lion by other animals will still be uh, ferocious and, and fierce. And that's the way of nature. So he doesn't come to redeem this world. He comes to redeem you and me. He wanted to rescue us out of this world and bring, him, bring us to his side. And that's what he did. It's the reason there is hope and joy, because Jesus came for you to rescue and redeem you. And when God's power gets a hold of things, here's our next takeaway. Things infused with God's power can be redeemed. And you and I were reason for his power to be displayed. You and I through the power of God, have the right to be called the children of God. And so we're going to consider God's power coming into this world in a very unexpected way. Uh, We're in week two of our series Unexpected Christmas. And if you were here last week, um, I invite you to catch up if you weren't because it was a powerful message. We looked at the genealogy of Jesus and how Matthew highlighted some unexpected details, the scandals of the family. And his point was this, that Jesus comes from a line of sinners for sinners as the point of Christmas, not just part of Christmas. He came for us who are sinners. And today we see God's plan of how how Mary would give birth, how a virgin would give birth, and we have to consider and dive down the implications of how that works in our own hearts and lives as well. And so we're going to read the account from Luke chapter 1, and in honor of the word of God, we do believe he's speaking to us. Could, Could I invite you to please stand? As we hear this word. So Luke chapter 1, here it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are call him Jesus. He will be great. And we call the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born we call the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. These are the incredible words we get to consider. Could you just say out loud, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen and amen. Please be seated and we get to consider this. I want to talk to you about the wonder of childbirth. I don't know if this uh, reminds you of the day a child was born. I remember the two days um, uh, Nadia and Bella were born were two of the most incredible days of my life. Um, And and what a gift that children are. And it's a wonder that the human body can actually do that. Um, If you observe, if you're in in the labor room, um, you know, it's just, the whole thing is a wonder. But then I also consider at how God plans conception. And I'll be euphemistic about talking about the birds and bees and all of that because I know we have a mixed crowd, but... The reason to talk about it is because God created the idea of conception and gave us the gift of sex. Now, I would say that our society has done with sex a lot of different things. Society likes to distort gifts of God, misuse gifts of God. And because of society and sin, that's why sometimes that conversation brings a lot of shame and guilt when we talk about the topic. But if we just see the lens of God's word and see his plan for that gift and conception of children... I think we're going to find it's a very beautiful thing. For what God has in mind comes to us from Genesis when he made the first man and the first woman. Adam and Eve, and there's this passage of them coming together. It says this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to the wife. This is a great picture of marriage. You leave your family of origin. You cleave to the new person. And then we have this gift of conception or sex. They become one flesh. Now, if you understand the Hebrew, what it's saying is that uh, the gift of sex is gluing you together with someone else. That God's plan is actually that you would be bonded in a way like no other so that you can experience this unity with that person that you've chosen. In fact, even in the New Testament, the way God refers to sex is a very beautiful thing. When Mary says that she's not going to be able to have a child, she says this because I did not know a man. In the New Testament, they talk just about knowing someone as that act of sex. So God's plan, actually, is a very beautiful one. We could have a whole sermon series dedicated to how our society does not honor that plan and the ramifications of that. That's not for today. Um, But um, the reason I bring this up is because one of the unexpected details is how Mary will have a child. God's plan, you know, in usual, is a man and a woman coming together in order to have a child. and Mary wonders, "How am I going to have a child? because I do not know a man." Here are those details. The angel shows up and Mary asks, how, "How will this be? I'm a virgin." And the angel answered, "The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you." And this is unexpected. Who'd have guessed? that a virgin would give birth by power of the Holy Spirit. And so the first takeaway is this, that conceived by the Holy Spirit is an unexpected detail for any birth and definitely part of Christmas. Who would have thought that God in His power would conduct it this way? And truly, it's what happened. In fact, if you've been around Amazing Love, we confess creeds, and we confess conceived by the Holy Spirit uh, every time we say the Apostles' Creed. And then I was looking at some details that confirm it was by the Holy Spirit. If you read parts of Luke, later on she visits Elizabeth, her relative, and then the Holy Spirit gives us this interesting detail. Look at the detail after she visits. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then returned home. And I was saying to myself, why would the Holy Spirit tell us that she was there for three months? So that we were assured this was a conception by the Holy Spirit. She wasn't even around Joseph. She wasn't even around that person in order to conceive. And so anyone who had questions would say, it wasn't just a weekend I was away, but it was three months that I had no opportunity to be with Joseph. This was conception by the Holy Spirit. So so that is the what, but probably more important than the what of, like, you know, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and and you just have to trust that God worked it out, kind of like God works out His presence in the Lord's Supper, and God works out His presence in uh, worship with us where two or three come together. We just accept that, but maybe more important than the what is why. Why does it have to be this way? Conceived by the Holy Spirit, why? Well, it's because of what we know of. Children. Something we already considered. Because I don't need to teach a child how to be unruly and paint the dog, right? They want to do that. And if you were here last week, you know that Jesus came from a line of sinners. And some sins we didn't even want to go into detail because they were too much. And so we need a child who's not going to do that to the dog or the wall. We need a child who's going to be special in in, in the greatest way possible, which is holy and perfect. And the only way to get holy and perfect is to make sure that God was in the conception itself. And so Jesus comes conceived by the Holy Spirit so that we can know he was a perfect child. He never sinned. He had to be tempted in every way, just like we are, had to be tempted, you know, by his siblings, had to be tempted in adulthood, had to be tempted all along the way, but always passed the test. Because part of the reason we're saved is not just one day like Good Friday or one day like Easter, it's actually the whole of his life where he lived every day differently, where he was perfect never giving into temptation so that through faith sinners could receive that perfection. And that's what happens through faith. If you have faith in Jesus, you receive his obedience credited to your account. So even if your life was a whole series of disobedience, he says, you look like Jesus just, just through faith. It's incredible. It's incredible. But, but there's more interesting details of this account, not just conceived by the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't expect that I also want to talk about Mary's reaction to the angel because I thought it was unexpected. And to set it up, have you ever waited for the hammer to drop on you? Uh, maybe you um, were studying for a test and you had this feeling that you didn't do so well, and, and then you get it back, and sure enough, the suspicions were confirmed. And, and now you have to go and, and bring that test to mom or dad. Or maybe there was a time in your life where uh, you you told a lie. You told a lie to a company, to a boss, to a parent, and you knew it was a matter of time before the truth caught up, and you were just waiting for the hammer to drop. I remember for me, it was fifth grade science, and I'm not great with science folks. Um, I like Jesus, but science not so much. Anyway, um, (laughs) and I remember studying so hard and yet my report card showed a really bad grade and I still remember the feelings of the bike ride home where I'd have to come home and share my grade with my parents and what were they gonna do the hammer was gonna drop. I think that's what Mary is feeling. So the angel shows up, and the angel could not give her a better word. First, the angel says, greetings, hello. uh, Says, you are highly favored. And says, the Lord is with you. Now, if that's not pure gold as far as a greeting goes, I don't know what is. Highly favored, God is with you, hello. And what is Mary's reaction? Look at this. Mary was greatly troubled. How can you be troubled by that? He just called you highly favored. He said, the Lord is with you. Greatly troubled and wondered, what kind of greeting is this? And I know it's a bit of conjecture, a bit of guesswork, but I have an inkling why Mary felt this way. Now, number one, my conjecture is that um, if I saw an angel, if you saw an angel, we'd probably be freaked out too. Maybe a little bit troubled, right? Um, Just not used to seeing angels. Um, There we go. But but number two, my, my better guess is this, that Mary knew who she was. And Mary, meeting with the holy angel, still knows of her sin. Still knows that she's in the category of all who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We even see that she wasn't perfect in her interactions with Jesus in the New Testament. If you know her interaction at the temple with Jesus, she's not perfect. And and so one of the things that she feels is it's unexpected to get favored by God. And that's our next takeaway. That I believe it's unexpected for sinners to find favor with God. And so she's like, are you? Are you sure? Highly favored? You sure the Lord wants to be with me? Do you know who I am? Because what she knows is this. It's kind of like a criminal standing before a judge. It's kind of like a child fighting with a sibling who now is in front of mom and dad. It's kind of like me with my report card coming before my parents. That's what she knows. And I wonder if you've ever wrestled with God in this way. Here's how it can happen: You can hear that God forgives sins. Come to service, and, and pastor's preaching. He says your sins are forgiven. But you fight and you wrestle with Mar- like Mary, and, and you're saying, yeah, "I know God forgives sins, but if He knew me and what I did, no, mm-mm. I'm greatly troubled by that word, Pastor." Or maybe someone's told you God loves you. He loves you more than you know right now. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so much does he love you. And you start wrestling, I'm like, Mary, couldn't hear a better word, and you wrestle, and you say, no, no, no. No, I know he loves people, but he wouldn't love me. See, see if he knew me, no one loves me, and that's been proved. And so we need to double down just like the angel did. And the angel needed to come back to Mary and say, no, 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 don't be afraid. You are highly favored. And I come to you, if you've been wrestling at all with God over guilt and shame and His love, and I come to you and I say, no, 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 no. it's for you. You are highly favored. You are loved by God. You are forgiven of all sin. And He loves to call you His child. This is the good news. And Why? The wise and even better answer. It's not because of anything you've done, and it's all because of Jesus. It's because of his unexpected power. See, Jesus, he displayed his power in an unexpected way. He displayed power through apparent weakness, he displayed power by restraint. His power was displayed as he allowed himself to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, the creator of the world becoming part of creation. Power and restraint as he allowed himself to be crucified in front of Pontius Pilate, died and buried. But this was all according to his plan. He was still in power. And his power was taken back as he rises from the dead. His power is taken back as he ascends into heaven. His power right now as he's seated at the right hand of God. Yes, this baby comes in power for you to assure you of the favor of God and to assure you that it's because of his power, not your own, that you are right with a holy God. This is the story of Christmas. But there's still some really good details. You know, it's interesting, if God and his power can redeem humanity, and if God's power infuses things kind of like Midas touch and makes it gold, I wonder what you'd like God's power to touch. I wonder how many of us right now would like God's power to touch our finances. God, if you could touch it and just make it all go away and debt-free, that'd be great. I wonder how many of us would like him to touch the pandemic. Lord, if you could just... I'm really done I'm tired you know I'm I was past the point and then I was past the point and now I'm here right you know could you just touch this thing right let's get rid of it it's interesting uh, during the election how many people wanted God's power to touch our earthly government right did you feel it how many Christians wanted God could you just America could you just you know mm, right and here's the deal it's not bad to vote and pray for leaders but in clarification, God has never promised that any earthly kingdom would be specially touched by him forever. And so what, God, what does God promise to touch? What is his power used for? We see this in what the baby would be. So the angel announces about Jesus these words. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. Now, some Jews, when they heard this about Jesus, they wanted the restoration of their earthly kingdom of Israel. In fact, maybe more than Americans wanting uh, our leaders to be Christian were the Israelites wanting God to come in power to get them away from Roman oppression. In fact, even after the ministry of Jesus, His own disciples, as he was about to ascend into heaven, asked him this question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still were hoping of the predominance of Israel. As I bet, even after the election, there are still some Christians hoping, God, could you still touch this nation? I'm not saying it's a bad prayer, but, but what is the kingdom that is being referenced here? His kingdom will never end. not an earthly one. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of faith. It's a spiritual kingdom. In fact, it's a kingdom that he told us to keep our eyes on because he taught us to pray, your kingdom come. So what is that kingdom? Well, Luther said it this way. God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives the Holy Spirit So that by his grace we believe his word and lead a godly life now and forever. To sum it up, God's kingdom is when God moves people to faith. Using the word or baptism. And what we know is that this is probably an unexpected kingdom. Not the one the Jews thought was going to happen. And maybe not the ones that we always have our minds and attentions on. But if you look at what God is doing right now, God's kingdom, regardless of the state of earthly kingdoms, I think is being advanced. I was doing some study of what was going on in the UK during COVID, and uh, right now there is a bit of revival going around uh, Christianity in the UK. Um, one of their booksellers, Eden is the bookstore that has um, profit shares over um, 55 more percent Bibles that were sold during this time, 55 percent more. Some churches that have had double in attendance, um, a Bible app downloaded 2 million times. Well, not just the UK, I consider what's happened here at Amazing Love. And we're just a microcosm of God's activity, remember. But we've been able to share God's message way beyond these walls um, in, in an incredible way we had a starting point was as most filled as we've ever had and a new member welcome that was as big as we've ever had. And, And so if we see what God is doing, he's still moving his kingdom. Because while he hasn't promised for any earthly kingdom to endure, he said that his spiritual kingdom will endure till he comes back. In fact, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. But let me ask you, What do you prefer God to touch? Where do you prefer his power to be used? If we're honest, sometimes we prefer his power for lesser things. Change my fiefdom, my kingdom, my life. Change America, this earthly kingdom, this country. He says, no, 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 I have a higher plan. There's a kingdom of faith that I'm going after. And if that's what he's after, what if we changed our own hearts and did as Jesus said and said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the rest, all the other things that people are wondering about and worrying about, don't worry, he's got that too. And so this Christmas, it's okay to do lights, it's okay to do presents and cookies too, but come on, the biggest thing is your heart of faith. I hope that better than any meal you have is the celebration of the word of God and the announcement of the angels. Better than any present you open is the present of God's Son coming for you. That's how we stay ready in this kingdom. But a final word before we go, and another unexpected detail from this account, something that I wouldn't imagine. To set it up, it's it's interesting how we often plan our lives um, at least before COVID. I don't know if people are still planners. Um, I was watching a Shawn Mendez special. Netflix, you gotta love it. And Shawn Mendez has this journal that he writes in um, lines that he, he seems to think that if you write something long enough that it'll actually happen. Like, don't let my voice go bad or whatever, right? And, and you imagine like if we all had that journal, like what, what you might write in it. <laughs> like how many times Win the lottery, win the lottery, if that journal worked, right? Um, and there are people who, again, set out these plans for their lives and and the vision for what is going to ensue. But as we're learning very quickly is that we cannot plan, and we don't know. In fact, another big uh, person right now is uh, Princess Diana, and uh, because of the crown, and, and you think of all the things she didn't know was going to happen. And she becomes princess, and her... Uh, Charles has an affair and she'd get divorced. And probably biggest, that who, who could have planned that she'd be an accident and leave behind her children? That This was unscripted. This is a different way that she probably had in, in her vision board. And I bring this up because isn't this happening to Mary? Like you wonder, what was in Mary's plan before the angel came? And you kind of think of a bride, like maybe she was planning this elaborate wedding because back in that day they celebrated for a week, right? Uh, maybe she was uh, building on to Joseph's home because in that culture, uh, instead of moving away, you actually just built the family home a little larger, maybe a, a second floor and went from there, and so she's getting that all ready. Maybe she's thinking about, you know, a quiet life with Joseph the carpenter, and, you know, she can envision this dream state. And it changes like that. And she's not going to have a quiet life. <laughs> she's part of the biggest scandal in Nazareth. Uh, did you see Mary's baby bump? Oh, and it wasn't Joseph. Right? She's not going to be at home for this delivery. She's going to be on the road as the census was taken. She's going to be in Bethlehem. And when the baby is born, they're not going to go and live with family. They're going to escape to Egypt. Because Herod is on a rampage to kill anyone who would vie for his throne and anyone who's called king. And so there's the slaughter of the innocents, and they have to go to Egypt, not Nazareth. Or probably most of all, she is going to love a baby, treasures him, all her heart. She's going to raise a baby, nurse it, feed it, take care of it, in order to watch it die. And stand there at the cross. One of the haunting details I was reading about the Christmas account is when the baby was presented to Simeon, and Simeon has the song of praise over this baby, and yet Simeon at the very end says this haunting word to Mary a sword will pierce your own soul too. And so you think of how Mary could have reacted. I think it would have been common for her to say, I don't want it. (laughs) I had a plan, God. I don't want a scandal. I want a simple life. I want to raise kids. I want to live a good life. I don't want it. In that moment, she could have mourned all the things that could have been. She could have written a book with a title, It Wasn't Supposed to Be This Way. She didn't. And a very unexpected response is this Okay. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What a beautiful, remarkable, exemplary response. Because we're in Christmas 2020. And I don't know what Christmas is going to look like to you. And I had plans. And I know what's normal. I have no clue. And then I have a life. And there were plans and there were thoughts and there were ideas and I have no clue. And I suppose I could go to God and I could be angry and I could say, why didn't it turn out and it's not supposed to be and, and all these things and I could have grieved what I could have been. But Mary shows me a release, a different way. And so she shows us that the way we handle an unexpected Christmas, or how about this, an unexpected life is with humility. And when that moment comes and it changes, we say, Lord, I know I had a plan, but I relinquished that one. And now I accept yours. And maybe the greatest thing we can do is have that posture this Christmas. Whatever the plan was for me, I relinquish it, Lord. Because what you have for me I trust is so much better. Let your word be fulfilled to me. And through the power of God, when he touches our souls this way, he can give power and strength to do just that. May he so fulfill you with his spirit. May he so prompt you to experience his power this Christmas and to handle a very unexpected Christmas. Let me pray for you. We pray. So Heavenly Father, thank you coming for coming into the world in power to extend your kingdom to me. Let me know and realize that I am favored by you, just like Mary, all because of Jesus. I also ask for your power to have the spirit of humility to accept however my life on earth will change. Empower me to live out and say, I am the Lord's servant. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.